Hi, uh, I'm back, and uh, I'd like to talk a little bit more about what happened with George Floyd. Uh, I have taken a little bit of a slight hiatus in the podcast over the last week and a half, um, really just trying to do do a lot of listening. This is the thing I hear a lot now is um, that we need to do more listening and less talking. Um, so just really been trying to take my time in kind of assessing what's going on and just taking everything in. Um, as I said in my video last week, it, you know, this has obviously really bothered me a lot and I'm trying to tread really carefully in, in what I say, but I think that it, it definitely needs to be addressed. Um, I was saying to myself in the last couple of weeks that I picked a hell of a year to start a podcast because when I started the podcast last October, um, the whole the whole point of it is really supposed to be about touching on kind of sensitive topics and uh, topics that maybe aren't addressed enough or that there's kind of a consensus feeling on it, but that that consensus may not be totally correct. Um, but with the year that we've had, uh, it's just been the presidential election and, and the death of Kobe Bryant, COVID, and then now w what's going on here, uh, it's just been kind of turned into a current events show. Um, so there's definitely kind of some soul searching going on for myself. Um, but I've just been thinking a lot about this and I, I don't want to... I don't want to belabor anything too much and I don't want to regurgitate too much of the, the commonalities that we've heard a lot over the last week. Um, I sometimes worry that um, as a society, uh, as people kind of looking at this issue, what's going on here, we tend to be a little bit too short term in our thinking and our assessments Um and we kind of see that now with this backlash against the the rioting and the looting, uh, and the whole idea that it's kind of uh, muddying up the message, right? Uh, messing up with the actual message. And there's one thing about this whole issue that I, I really I keep coming back to. Uh, I've been having a lot of debates with people on Facebook. I've 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 offended and. Uh, pissed off a lot of people, which I uh, wear that as a, as a badge of honor because um, some people are just uncomfortable hearing the truth. Um, but I was having this debate with somebody about the fact that it took five days for the police in Minneapolis to arrest Derek Chauvin. And uh, her, her whole stance was, well, they arrested him. What more do you want? And aside from the fact that I don't think that he was charged enough. I think he should be charged at minimum second degree murder because in my eyes, there's no doubt what his intention was. He knew what he was doing. Um, the man told him that he couldn't breathe and he, I mean, he, he choked the life out of that man and that was deliberate. Uh, and and you, you can't tell me that he didn't know what he was doing. Um, but aside from that part of it, it bothered me that it took so long because it sets a bad precedent and 
in my opinion, the only reason they finally did arrest him was because of the uproar, uh, which is, I mean, it's good that people are listening and this is not something that can be ignored. Um, but she was just very dismissive and, and she was saying that the police needed time to build a case um, and they didn't have all their evidence prepared or, or um, you know, if they, if they missed something that it could jeopardize the whole case. I kind of explained to her how that was just flat out wrong um, because we have, of course, habeas corpus. You have seven, you can arrest somebody and have them incarcerated for 72 hours and not even charge them with a crime. Uh, and, and when you're arresting somebody, the, um, the standard of evidence is not anything like what it is to convict somebody. Um, and the killing was right there on, on camera. So that's just, that's just BS. Okay. Um, but it also got me to thinking about just this idea of the narrative, right? So the narrative right now is that he was resisting arrest. And I know that obviously anybody that's watching it, he was handcuffed, he was restrained, he was face down in the cement. So he was not a threat. And regardless of what he was doing just before the the arrest, before he was handcuffed, it really doesn't matter because he's not a threat now. But this whole thing happened over an alleged $20 forgery, which we still don't know if that even actually happened. We don't know if George Floyd was the person, and we don't know, as far as I know, even if that happened at all. But that's what the arrest was for, and the police knew nothing about the validity of that. They were just going off of the call that they got. So why does that merit the kind of response that it got to the point where the man is murdered, but you need five days to create a case for the police. Why do we have that kind of grace period for them, but not for a civilian? I think it needs to be the other way around. I think police need to be held to a higher standard. And when you're facing a potential murder charge, you should not have five days to get whatever shit together that you need to get or start intimidating people or whatever you stuff you might do in that, in that amount of time. Um, so that part really kind of bothers me. And I think again, that that part of it kind of gets missed a little bit in the, the rhetoric and the, the, the dialogue, the narrative that I'm hearing about this case, the fact that he, he was never even, I mean, I, I just, it was never proven that he did a damn thing wrong. Um, and it, that part just kind of gets glossed over. You just go straight to the, the actions of the police officer. Um, so you know, I just, that just bothers me a lot. Um, so bringing it back to more uh, close to home, um, so for anyone that doesn't know, I live here in Sacramento, and uh, Grant Napier is the uh, King's play-by-play TV announcer, and he also has a radio show here on KHTK, 3 to 6 p.m. every day. 
Um, so if you haven't already heard, he got into a run-in uh, with DeMarcus Cousins, who used to play for the Kings, and he and Grant Napier have a very uh, clear and real uh, beef that's very well known. Um, DeMarcus messaged him through Twitter uh, asking his opinion on the Black Lives Matter. And Grant responded with All Lives Matter, um, which is just a a very tone deaf, especially in today's climate, uh, response. Um, And today he was fired. He was fired from his radio job and he resigned from the play-by-play job. So I listened to the show. Uh, they talked about it, him being fired, and uh, I actually I was actually going to call in. Uh, I couldn't get through, but um, I was compelled to call in because almost probably 90 95% of the people calling in were just upset about Grant being fired, and a lot of them couldn't understand why what he said was even wrong. And, uh, or just going off about the fact that this, this man's been with the Kings for 32 years and, and how could you fire him over one tweet? Um, and it, you know, got me to thinking about it. And yeah, I do think that in a vacuum, you know, all things being equal, it is an extreme response for him to be fired for that, I think is an over the top extreme response. However, given the climate that we're in, right now, I think that it was appropriate. I think that it was even necessary because if that wasn't dealt with appropriately, um, I think that it, it could potentially have um, worse worse potential effects. Um, so yeah, I mean, I was, it, it, it sucks, but it's, it's an extreme time we're living in and George Floyd didn't deserve to die and black people across the country deserve better. And, uh, they've been just pushed down, kicked around for, for so long. And we're finally getting to a place where hopefully, um, this is becoming more serious. I've always considered myself a, a black lives matter supporter, but, this event in particular has really opened my eyes in a new way. You know, you keep hearing about uh, just comply, just, you know, just listen to please order. Well, this man had no chance. He had no chance. He was handcuffed, restrained down the concrete. He, He couldn't breathe. He's calling out for his mom. I mean, he couldn't do anything. He couldn't comply. He couldn't not comply. He couldn't do anything. Um, so I just think that I think it was the right move. Um, it, it needs to be dealt with in an extreme way. And if it takes losing your job to get people thinking about it, taking it more seriously, then that's what, that's what has to happen. Um, one of the things I kept hearing people say was just – not understanding what's wrong with saying that at all. Not under, what's wrong with saying all lives matter. 
And while I was waiting, trying to get through, I thought of an analogy that I thought was pretty good. And, you know, I think we've probably heard a lot of the other ones. Um, There's there's a lot of great analogies out there um, for for why all lives matter is not an appropriate response to Black Lives Matter. But I thought of one in the context of so this guy was calling in and basically saying that he's he's colorblind or, or, you know, in, in the racial sense, he doesn't see color and he doesn't think that this is a black issue. He thinks that it's a humanity issue and that we all need to work on being better humans, which of course is true. But he was also kind of saying that this affects everybody, not just black people in, in terms of people dying at the hands of police. And so we need to respond to it in that way. And so and again, this guy didn't didn't get why all lives matter is is the wrong thing to say. So, in that line of thinking, I was uh, thought of this idea of two people are drowning in the river; they both can't swim, but one of them has a ball and chain attached to their ankle, and you throw both of them a life jacket, and you say that you're giving both equal, equal weight, equal consideration. That's why all lives matter is the wrong response. Um, unfortunately, uh, some people are just so bullheaded and stubborn in their thinking that they either don't get those analogies or they don't hear them or they just don't try. They don't try to understand. Um, you know, it's going to take empathy more than anything. I think, um, you have to be able to hear people's concerns and understand that their experience is not what your experience is and that it is possible for people to have a different frame of reference, different reality than you. And until we can get there, um, it's going to be, it's, it's going to be a tough road. Um, the last thing I wanted to say uh, was again, thinking about, the whole concept of white privilege and uh, this bias that exists uh, towards black people um, and, and that denial that that exists by privileged white people. Um, I was thinking back to uh, when I was in high school, I was in Spanish class and I had a friend, uh, a really good friend of mine who I played basketball with. Uh, he was six foot four tall. He was half black, half white. Um, his mom was white. His dad was black. So we had an assignment where we had to do our family tree in Spanish. So basically just, you know, writing out the descriptions of each member of our family and, and writing out a family tree and doing like illustrations with the different fam- family members. So his mom being white, uh, the teacher took his assignment and failed him and wrote for him for him to see her and in the note she showed me it said you obviously copied this off of chris because of your description of your mom she didn't write any notes to me she didn't question me she didn't question either of us at all um but she called him up called him on it and his mom was pissed off and came into class and just cussed her out. Um, But that was a clear 
crystal clear bias, just bullshit, you know, if you're talking about white privilege. And the, the kicker to it all was that her mom's description wasn't even the same as mine. She was white. She had blue eyes, but she had blonde hair. My mom had brown hair. Um, so she's not even like, not even looking at the details. She's just, she knew that we were friends and she just made this leap that she must that he must have copied off of me. Obviously, could have been adopted as well, uh, but it it was just it was pretty it was incredible to me that a teacher would do that. And so, I think that that's just a powerful example of the kind of stuff that that black people experience all the time. And I think it also points to the fact that. This is not always about somebody being murdered. Uh, that's that's the extreme, and it's it's unfortunate that it takes a straight up murder of a of an innocent man to spark this kind of outcry. But it's not always about a murder. Sometimes it's just about a person being accused of cheating in school when he didn't, or it can just be that 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 look that you get when you're leaving Walmart or you get followed around when you're in the store or the, the woman who crosses the street when you come from the other way. Uh, these are, I don't experience these things, but people do. Um, I'm told this by black people that I know and I believe them because that's their experience. Who am I to, to judge something that I don't, I don't know or understand. Um, and that's another big part of it is the believing, the empathy and the listening. Um, we, we just, we need to get better about that as a, as a society. Um, so anyway, um, I'm going to, I'm going to leave it at that. Um, I'm, I'm still kind of, uh, figuring out where, where I'm, where I fit in with all this, uh, where I'm going to go forward with the podcast. Um, am I going to take some time to maybe reevaluate what the podcast is and what it's really about? Maybe. Um, uh, I don't want to stay completely silent on this though. Uh, I think that this is, I think this is important and a lot of people do, which is good, but I don't want the dust to settle and this has just become another thing that happened in 2020. Um, so I want to keep this dialogue going. Um, having said that, uh, again, I'm definitely interested in uh, people's thoughts on what we can do as, as regular citizens to fight this. I know, um, you know, as I said before, writing your, writing your congressmen and women and uh, kind of doing checks of your, uh, police, local police departments. Um, I think that, I think election time may be an important moment for that. Um, you know, there may need to be, uh, for lack of a better term, a revolution in, in politics. Maybe we need to start voting out the status quo and, uh, and, and just shaking things up. Uh, let, in, let, let them know that, you know what, if you don't, if you don't do something, if you don't, make some strong reforms to put more uh, consequences for police 
that shoot and kill unarmed black men that you're not going to get back in office. Again, maybe an extreme response is, is what's needed, you know? Um, but yeah, but please let me know. Um, I'm, I'm definitely not, not going to stop talking about this and, uh, appreciate, uh, appreciate the support. Appreciate you listening in. Um, and I'll be talking to you guys again very soon. Thanks a lot. And, uh, remember, don't be afraid to question the consensus.